0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Rise above and be in control with today's business headlines, driven by Volvo Cars. It's coming up to 8.49 right now. Melissa, Joyce and Chuang here with you on The Morning Run. Today, we are expected to see Datuk Sri Najib Raza and Tan Sri Erwan Siriga jointly face at least six charges of criminal breach of trust involving six billion ringgit. They are going to be charged under Section 409 of the Penal Code, which deals with criminal breach of trust committed by public servants or their agents. And under this section, the penalty could be anywhere between 2 and 20 years
2: of imprisonment with whipping and a fine also possible. Yeah, so four of the charges are expected to be linked to 1MDB's dealings with IPIC involving five billion ringgit, and these dealings relate to alleged misuse of funds from BRIM and the Federal Government's Consolidated Fund. The other two charges are expected to be uh, relating to monies traced to the gas pipeline project and abuse of funds linked to the ECRL project.
0: So this gas pipeline product, uh, project was actually quite interesting. This is a pipeline that runs from Malacca to Port Dixon as well as the Transaba Gas Pipeline, approved by the Cabinet twenty seventh July 2016, so just about two and a bit years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, These projects were handled by a company called Surya Strategic Energy Resources, which is a wholly owned unit of the Ministry of Finance, set up also just in the same year, 19th May of that year, to undertake these projects. Now, the thing is, this particular project um, was pointed out by Finance Minister Lim Guanning some time ago by, by saying that the to- projects were totaling 9.4 billion ringgit, only 13% completed, but the funds have been drawn down by 88%. So. That So is insane.
1: Yeah, I remember this yeah. is part of the red files, yes, right? So that files. was uncovered. So you have a project that's only been com- 13% completed by 88% of the money has been already taken out. That is uncovered
0: I mean, right? yeah. I, I'm out of well, words <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's the understatement of the year right? So, yes. so so the plot thickens right? So in July this year, the Wall Street Journal Published a story from that part of the world Which revealed that funds intended for this project May have been diverted to pay off one Nbb debts So that's why they drew down by this amount Even though the work had only been completed by that amount And um, guess who was the individual uh, Responsible for putting together that deal None other than our rotunda friend From Penang, Joe Lau
2: can we, not, Can we not highlight that? Yeah, yeah,
0: let's no, sorry, let's not sorry, highlight sorry. that repeatedly <laughs> <Sorry>. this morning.
2: <laughs> I think we might disown that
1: completely. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, and I think when the Red Falls came out, I think a lot of other news came out together as well. And coming back to this story, um, by the time China's export ban had begun to provide funds to China Petroleum Partline Bureau, who was awarded this contract to fund the project, um, the officials suspected that some of the funds from Beijing intended for the project were diverted into a series of shell companies.
1: Yeah, one of those shell companies called, I think, Silk Road, and that was related to the land sale in Aitam. Another thing that I wanted to point out, uh to kind of for us to discuss this morning is the fact that yesterday in parliament uh, Lim Guan Eng announced or revealed that Tan Sri Irwan made around 7 million ringgit uh between January 2011 to early this year um, and this is for his role as treasury secretary general he made just under 3 million ringgit and for his various positions as board members of GLCs he earned around 3.8 million ringgit um, within that period of, I think, five years, six years or so. Now, the, the question really is, I mean, he held 23 uh, directorship, so non-executive chairman, non-independent executive director or director in 23 companies under the finance ministry. Um is that
2: is that some? I mean, for me, that raises a whole lot of red flags. 23 directorships. Mm. And among the companies listed are 1MDB, where he was the non executive chairman, Kazana, where he was a director, Malaysia Rail Links, and Jiren where he was a non executive chairman. He was also the non independent, non executive director for PNB.
0: So um, each of these directors, right, directorships, he got incomes, monthly incomes of between 9,000 ringgit i um, sorry, and yeah, and 1.2 million ringgit. So I mean, I don't know which directorship gave him that amount of money. 1.2 million, 1. right? 2 million for, a, for a chairman. Oh. Yeah, but corporate governance best principles dictate that no director should have more than five positions in five in in five companies. He had 23. So assuming four, um, you know, board meetings a year. 23 times 4 is well, Nearly 100, uh, right? Yeah, 90-something. What, what time does he... How does he go to the gym? I mean, to stay so limber, to dance in those why, red why shoes would that you, he has.
1: How, where does he find the time to work as Secretary General of the Treasury? Uh, That's more Treasury of a pertinent question.
0: Moon,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, well Chong, you you, you you spoke about five... Uh, five companies, right, these are for listed companies. I think there's no limit for those sitting in boards of GLCs and Sundar and that's the problem. Yeah. And
0: that is the problem, right? Because if we talked to people like Terence Gomez in the past and the concentration of power and wealth in the Finance Ministry and the Treasury, these are the individual manifestations of these issues. Of course, allegedly at this point in time. well, but, well I mean, these are the numbers we're talking well, about. Well,
1: he is 20, uh, you know, he has directed, he is on the board of 23 companies. That is a fact that was revealed in Parliament. So we can take that at face value. The question is, are we going to be seeing guidelines in the future to stop this from happening again? Because to be honest with you, no one should be on the board of 23 companies.
2: Actually, there are already guidelines. I think Bank Negara's Corporate Governance Guidelines on Directors' Code of Ethics in Malaysia, there's a sentence there that says, that should limit his or her directorship of companies to a number in which he or she can best devote their time and effectiveness. Oh, know, but so that
1: one is quite vague, right? Because it also says that each director is his own judge of his abilities and how best to manage his time effectively so you could also argue I don't sleep so I can attend 93 meetings a year and do my job as Treasury Secretary General um, you know I, I can do without that that, that can be the argument yeah. as well but it's an ethical guideline char- we, yeah.
2: we should turn the guideline to a ruling or, or, or make it actual an actual law or, or something that has to and be possible yeah rather than just a guideline
0: I bet, bet you a bottom dollar that the, the new government will be implementing those limitations um matter of time right if not now later but definitely I can see them doing it for sure no mm-hmm. question yeah
1: because they do want to move away from the concentration of power within the office of the executive
0: I mean they've already proposed a two-term limit for the prime ministership so from above you can you you can be sure that all the rest will follow
1: well and that's hope let's keep them um, um on, on check for hotels, that yes yeah. mm-hmm. all right 855 right now now let's take a look as well at Slangor Properties, which is one of the oldest property companies on Bursa Malaysia. They have filed a request to suspend the trading of its shares, and they're saying a material announcement will be made. Of course, this has raised a lot of eyebrows, got a lot of tongue waggings, everyone wondering, speculating about what exactly
2: this pending announcement could be. Yeah, if you look at the stock price, uh, Selangor Property stock price, it has been going lower over the last three years, much like with the other property industry players. And uh, its share price yesterday closed at about 4 ringgit, 6 cent, with a market cap of 1.4 4 billion ringgit. Year to date the counter has fallen by seventeen percent. Uh, you know, and looking at that share price right now, guys, is trading at a forty four percent discount to its net asset per share of forty four. Yeah. yeah. Forty three yeah. so and a half to be precise. To its <laughs> net asset of seven ringgit nineteen cents.
0: So this is the, the one of those most conservative of property developers, right? I mean the one family I think controls this business and they are basically investors of land in Damansara Heights and Bukit Tunku, which is the bluest of the bluest or blue collar neighborhood. Well blue Blood neighbourhoods in the country, right?
1: <laughs> blue collar, blue blood. So, blue blood, yeah.
0: So, um, look, I mean, it, then it
1: Isn't goes... Isn't that your neck of the
0: woods? Oh, So, then it goes to, to basically the net asset value, right? Because it's all the properties under that portfolio. When was the last time they re, they revalued those properties? Mm. If they had revalued those properties, say, 10 years ago, then the NAV could well be a lot, lot higher than that. But if they had just done it last year, then obviously then would be at market or, or mark to market.
2: Yes, yeah, Selangor Property is known for developing Pusat Bandar Damansara office complex in the 1980s. They also uh, invested into Munara Millennium KL. Mm, that is also in that area.
0: I think yeah. they own it, yeah. So that's yeah. worth about 370 million ringgit as it last count.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: Also, the matriarch of the uh, of uh, Properties, right? Uh, she passed away. I think she was ninety eight years old. She retired at ninety five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
0: just last year. So, yeah. I mean, talk about <laughs> talk about family run businesses, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we should we should be so lucky to be working at ninety five. <laughs> <laughs> well, well
0: mother M- is.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, right. So yeah. We're also um, looking across, uh, looking at the U S. where Tesla has reported record high profits for the quarter for the third quarter this year. Year. Now, this comes as a result of Tesla increasing production rates of its model. Three this past summer.
2: Yeah, and uh, looking at the revenue, they made 6.8 billion US dollars. Earnings was 312 million dollars and they had a record high cash flow of 881 million dollars.
0: Yeah, so much for that uh, buyout offer by Elon Musk <laughs> on <laughs> Twitter <laughs> for which he received a hefty <laughs> fine it's, from he the has SEC. To, he
2: has to no
1: longer become a uh, be chairman, yeah, right? He has to step <laughs> down Apparently,
0: well. he, he had even lined up um, funds to take the company private for four box 20, obviously, to us not to be. But but that free cash flow, Joyce, as you say, eight hundred eighty-one million ringgit. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the street was expecting? What two hundred eighty? So they tripled the consensus estimate for free wow. cash flow, right? Their cash has gone up from by seven hundred thirty-one million bucks to three billion. So the Tesla Model Three is the one to blame, for well, the one to attribute for the success.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So
0: apparently they've hit the mainstream. <laughs>
1: So no longer, no, no longer this kind of uh, no cool the Indie, yeah. Thing, yeah. <laughs> It's now, it's now mainstream. All right, we've got the nine o'clock news bulletin next with Sabrina Magdalene. Stay tuned, BFM eighty nine point
2: nine. Keeping you on track for peak
1: business performance with the new Volvo XC Forty, the expression of innovation.
2: Volvo, made by Sweden.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast.